that we are embracing the totality of the manifold characteristics of who Jesus is. What I'm learning is that we can weep with those who weep when we realize that our Savior is a man of sorrows equated with grief. And we can rejoice with those who rejoice when we can remember that our Jesus in his joy becomes our strength. People sometimes choose which aspect of Jesus' character they want to follow. They want acceptance just as they are, so Jesus is only loving, never judging. Or the opposite, they want justice, so Jesus is only a judge, never merciful. Pastor Daniel reminds you today, Jesus is both and. He is judge and redeemer, patient and grace-filled, and also conquering king. He is all things, always, not just what's convenient for you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Lamb and the Scroll. I'll never forget when uh, Lynn and I, when we, before we came here to Crossroads, we were planting churches. And I'll never forget we were, when we were in the Bay Area of San Francisco, we planted two churches and we were kind of pastoring them at the same time. And I remember at that time, Obadiah was probably like two years old. And they don't call it the terrible twos for nothing, you know? And so I remember, like, we, we were renting this facility, and, and like, it was funny, like, because Lynn was, you know, when you're a church planner, it's like everybody, it's all hands on deck. So Lynn was like, we had, Obadiah was little, and Maranatha was just born, and there was like, you know, eight kids, and Lynn was like doing kids' ministry and running around, and I was preaching and leading worship, and it was just wild and crazy times. But I remember that there was this plant in the kids' ministry area, and all of a sudden, Lynn comes in, and there's a bunch of dirt on the floor. And Obadiah's hand is black as can be. Obadiah, were you in the plant? No. Now, do you think for one second any of us taught him how to do that? Like, we're, you're like, well, Fusco, maybe you did. Like, you're going to give your kids cake to, you know, to, to not turn an exam. But like, I said, I'm like, hey, Obadiah, now listen, when you do something you're not supposed to do and you get called on it, definitely deny it. Like, n- no parent does that. But all of our kids do that anyway. But it's not the kids, right? You know how it is, right? Like your parents, they get caught doing something they're not supposed to. I didn't do that. You know, honey, did you not put your laundry in the laundry basket? No, it's in the laundry basket. She sends you like a picture of like next to the bed. There's the socks, you know? It's like we do that all the time. And so that is part of the human condition. Now, what's important to realize is that Although all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that is not the only thing about who we are as humanity. Because if we want to talk about the paradox, the Bible teaches the complexity of what it means to be human. Where on one hand, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us, except for Jesus, has always done those things which pleased our Father in heaven. We have not always lived up not only to our own highest values of what we think is important, let alone God's perfect values for what he thinks is important. But on the flip side, each one of us were created in the image and likeness of God and were fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us is capable of the most beautiful things as well. I was just talking to someone about this 
you know, there was a situation that was going on and, and somebody was in a, in a tough place and they're like, you know, the, my church family, speaking of crossroads, like, it's unbelievable how much they rallied. I'm like, yeah, when life is the worst, the church is the best. People rally. People do the most incredibly self-sacrificial things. You know, and the beauty of it is, is that if all we get is for all of sin and fallen short of, of the glory of God, right? Or other verses that speak like our, our own depravity, things like in Jeremiah where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? The Lord of hosts knows it. If all we do is have a negative view of humanity, we've actually resolved the tension because all through the scriptures, we have these beautiful examples of people doing amazing things where Jesus praises people for their faith. Where you hear at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant, when you simply respond to Jesus. And so what we need to do is not, because what people want to do today is like, people are horrible, they are evil, or people are amazing and wonderful and perfect. And the Bible says no to either of those sides. God's like, look, I want you to embrace this reality that not only you and I, but everybody is both extraordinary and treacherous. We do amazing things and then horrible things. You have a great week and a horrendous Friday night. You have a great Friday night, horrendous Sunday morning. Like, listen, straight up, some of us are going to leave church today and you're going to get mad at someone leaving the parking lot. All the parking folks are like, I know. Like, you're like, hey, turn to the right. Like, I'm going to the left. You're like, you just worship Jesus. Like, go to the right. Like, it's okay. But it's how it goes. And it's a tension that we all need to learn how to manage. And I'm here to tell you, when you love Jesus, we just become more aware with the, the contradictions in our character. Like, I love Jesus, and there are times when I'm processing life can be incredibly faithless. And then you're like, well, Fusco, but you're, you're the pastor. It's like, yeah. Sometimes when I, my first thought on a situation is, this is never going to work. I, like, this is a bad idea. Like, we're going, it's going down, you know? And then the Lord's like, Daniel, it's not going down. I'm right here. What are you working? This is my job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, Lord. And we have to learn how to hold our understanding of humanity with this tension of who we really are. Not overly optimistic or persistently pessimistic, but this complex that we are, that no one is worthy to receive the scroll from God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at the same time, we're all capable of pretty extraordinary and beautiful things. And we need to move in the world in that same way. Now, I realize that, like, I prepped this message in its most basic form months ago, and I realize that I get the distinct or unique pleasure of sharing this today, given the events that we've had as a society. Mass shootings all year. And what we're apt to do when we see the evil of humanity is we jump to one side or the other. But we have to learn how to not try and resolve the tension because it makes us feel in control, but to realize that God is in control and that all of us are a collection of good things and horrible things. Now, we might never do some of the most horrendous things that ever happened, and praise God for that. But all of us have the capacity to be dishonest, vindictive, 
angry. We all have the capacity to lash out. And when we look at what it means to be human in the light of who God is, we have to embrace the fact that all of us are flawed. On our best days, we're still fatally flawed. And it's why Jesus is the hope for all of humanity. Amen. The the best one of us on the best day with the best track record is one foul or off thought away from busting that whole thing up. It's inevitable. And so we realize this is why Jesus is so important because when it comes to the unfolding of the inheritance of God in this world, the purposes of God for all of humanity, there is not one person who's been glorified in heaven, not one person who is both alive, saved and unsaved on the earth, and not one person who is under the earth, which is a euphemism for being damned, not one person is worthy to open the scroll. And John is literally overcome with emotion because of that. But you realize that the story doesn't end there at all because look at what happens in verse five. What's the first word there? But. I call that the glorious butts of the Bible. I don't know why people giggle. What butts are you thinking of? Anyway, (laughs) it's a contrasting word. But. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, verse 6, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Amen. So like, no one is worthy, but really what we learn here is that not only is Jesus worthy, but now we see Jesus, again, in a paradox, we see Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Now this is another paradox, right? See, John is overcome. No one can open the scroll. And he's like, and they was like, hold on. No, 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 no. No, no, no. There is one who can open the scroll. And that's Jesus. And this is why Jesus gets that title, the Messiah, the Savior, Lord. This is why I have made it my life's goal because I believe God has called me to tell everybody that Jesus is real. This is why we want to live our lives where we cannot help but share the good news of Jesus because of things like this, because nobody is worthy to take the scroll except for one person, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived 2,000 years ago, who died on a Roman cross, who rose again and who ascended into heaven and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll scroll and he is the only one we should devote our lives to. He is the only one who we should say, this person deserves the authority in my life because he's the Lord and I want to follow him and I want to be made like him and I want his spirit to have ownership of all that I am so that I can move through the world as light because he is light. Amen. And if you're here to, listen, if you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus, here's my question. Why aren't we following closer? Like when I'm like, I love Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I want to, I want to know you more. I want to follow you closer. I want my life to be more committed to your will every single day. I don't want to get distracted by all of this. I don't want to get caught up in all this. I don't want to go on little rabbit trail. I want to stay on the path through the narrow gate on the difficult way that few find, but I know it leads to life. 
And I want to be there. And I want you to want to be there. Because I'm here to tell you, listen, as I've gotten older, I am more aware now than I've ever been that as a church family, your walk with Jesus, you have the responsibility for what that walk looks like. If you're here on a Sunday morning, we love that you're here. You come and you join a group and you're with us midweek and you're doing that and you're serving with us. Listen, I'm here to tell you five weeks connected to Crossroads with brothers and sisters is not going to be able to overcome 168 and a quarter hours or whatever it is every week. It's like you need to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. If you get fed here on Sundays and I'm doing my best, I want to give you meat to eat. And I want dessert and I want whipped cream and coffee. I mean, we've got all the stuff. It's like, I, I want to give you a full five-course meal with a couple Twinkies at the end for a little carbo sugar rush. And I want you to have that spiritually. But I'm here to tell you, if all you get is Sundays here at Crossroads spiritually, and then in a small group, I'm here to tell you, two meals a week, you're going to be spiritually languishing. You have to feed yourself. You have to walk with Jesus yourself. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it. You have to do it. And it's a choice that we make. And, I, and we have all the tools to help you. I just talk to someone like, man, I just don't do good reading. I'm like, do you have a smartphone? Yes. Do you download the Crossroads free mobile app? No, you should. Why? It reads it to you. You can even adjust the speed. So for those of you who are like quick like me, I listen on 1.4 speed because I'm from New Jersey and that's normal speed. Some of you, you're like, man, Fusco, I'm from Alabama. So you listen to a point eight speed, and that's okay. As long as you can comprehend what's happening, that's all that matters. I'm not knocking anyone from Alabama. I am not. They're going to be like, it's like you, you get it, Fusco. You know how it is, right? Like, listen, we weren't driving cars. We were riding John Deere tractors. I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but the picture of Jesus here is like, and here's the deal. This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning presently is that the entirety of the character of Jesus is not found in just one scripture. It's found in the whole of scripture. And the key for us with Jesus is to embrace the paradox of the totality of who he is and not just pick and choose the parts of who he is that we like or that we identify with in the moment. Because if you think about it, like when Jesus came the first time in his first advent, the Pharisees didn't believe that he was the Messiah because they had been under Babylonian occupation and then the Medo-Persian occupation and the Greek occupation and then the Roman occupation. And all they wanted was a Messiah who was the great king who was gonna beat up those Italian people. Like wipe them out, get them out of here. And the fact that Jesus didn't come doing that, they missed him. Because they had a preference for the characteristic of Jesus, the Messiah that they wanted. And what I have found, when I look at, and I survey the way people view Jesus, is that the battleground over who Jesus is, is always about, this is the characteristic of Jesus that I like the most, and you need to like it the most too. And forgetting the fact that, I mean, if you want a paradox, Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, which of course, if you know your Bible, that's uh, Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 to 12, right? 
That was the prophecy. Remember when Jacob was, was going to pass away and he gave prophecies to all of his sons. When he came to Judah, he literally says that Judah's a, a lion's whelp and as a lion, no one's going to rouse him and the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. It's a, it's a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. So Jesus being a lion of the tribe of Judah, then they give him another picture of who Jesus, so you think about Jesus, what's a lion? The lion is the what? Come on, everybody watch the Lion King. He's the what? He's the king of the jungle. Of all the animals, the lion is the top dog, right? But then it doesn't just stop with the lion of the tribe of Judah. It says the root of David. Huh? The root of David, of course, speaks about the Messiah coming out of the line of King David. The Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. Also, there's a whole thing in Isaiah chapter 11 about there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of its roots. Then the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. It goes on. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. This is Isaiah chapter 11, where it says, Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness, the belt of his waist. And it goes on and on and on about the Messiah being this root from David. Fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. You get he's a lion and he's now they're mixing metaphors. He's the root. He's the trunk. He's the he's the root system by which the lineage of the kingdom of King David was going to be from. But then he goes on and he says, listen has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, though he's been slain. Wait, wait, I thought he was a lion. Now you realize that if, a, how many of you ever watched the Nature Channel? Or YouTube, <laughs> right? It used to be the Nature Channel, now it's on YouTube, right? And if you watch like the wilderness, if a lamb and a lion are hanging out, What happens? Yes, yes, Someone's, someone is eating lunch and the other one is lunch, right? That's kind of how that goes. So, but what's amazing is, is talk about a paradox. A, a lamb is known as a docile creature, almost not violent at all, passive, humble. But behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, and I look, and instead of seeing a lion, he sees a slaughtered lamb, a lamb as though it's been slain. And again, right here, we get the paradox of Jesus. When I think of the lamb who was slain, I always think about John the Baptist speaking of Jesus. This is John chapter one, verse 29, where it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So listen, As we're studying the revelation of Jesus, what we're seeing now is that Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. Both the most tremendous model of strength and the most tremendous model of weakness. Jesus humbled himself, gave himself to be brutalized and crucified. But it was the most strong Thing that anyone could ever do because in his humble weakness all of the sins of the world got forgiven. And brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that we are not 
picking and choosing the attributes of Jesus that best suit what we want, and we see Jesus for who he truly is. He is a lion, and he is a lamb. He is the root of David, and he is the light of the world. Jesus is kind and fierce. Jesus had no problem confronting religious hypocrisy, and little kids love to hang out with him. And it's like, that's the Jesus we want to follow. But what we have going on, and it's not new, it's as old as humanity, is that everybody wants to pick and choose the Jesus that gets them where they want to get to. And they do that at the expense of who Jesus really is. And brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that we are embracing the totality of the manifold characteristics of who Jesus is. What I'm learning is that we can weep with those who weep when we realize that our Savior is a man of sorrows created with grief. And we can rejoice with those who rejoice when we can remember that our Jesus in his joy becomes our strength. See, we can hang out and befriend and love people who do not follow Jesus because our Savior is a friend of sinners. And we can absolutely love the church and the people of God and what God does in the body of Christ because Jesus is the head of the church. And all of this, put it all together, and I just took a couple, I just like, you know, just kind of picked a couple things. You put it together. This is the Jesus of the Bible. And it's why in our culture, specifically, what they do is people choose different parts of who Jesus is. So people who are like, man, we need to like, we need justice right now. Jesus got a sword coming out of his mouth. And we're going to see that in Revelation 19. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. We need to be kind to people. Because Jesus said, come to me all who, you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You see, Jesus protecting a woman caught in the act of adultery who should have received the death penalty in that culture for her sins. And he's advocating for her. And everybody picks and chooses This Jesus, this Jesus. I'm like, wait, actually, if you put them all together, that's the real Jesus. The Jesus of our Bibles. Amen. And brothers and sisters... As a church family, we are committed to the biblical Jesus, not some sort of a notion of Jesus that gets us down the road on a thing that we think we want. We want Jesus, who is the great King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. We want the Jesus who makes us love our neighbors and our enemies. We want the Jesus who says, I want you to do good to everyone, especially to the people of God, and the one who says, I want you to give a cup of cold water to someone who's in jail. I want you to put clothes on someone who's naked. And we put it all together, and this is what Christianity is really all about. It's about holding together in tension the characteristics of who Jesus is. Now, here's what I want to tell you. The only way you and I can know this real Jesus is to be people of this book and people who pray and worship. Jesus is... If Jesus is everything to you, judge and savior, lion and lamb, then you can begin to fully embrace who you are as one who has been redeemed. Pastor Daniel reminded you today that you have the capacity to do what God has instructed, but you need Jesus exactly as he is to help you. You need his example and his character to guide how you interact with the world. He has the answer to everything you're wondering, but you will need to take the time to ask him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. 
We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel talks with you about what a blessing it is to study the Bible and what a blessing it is to be in the presence of the Lord. You can spend time with Him anywhere, in your home, in church, even driving down the road in your car. The more time you spend with the Father, the easier it will be to see Him working in and through you. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, A Year of Revelation. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.